Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, July the 1st, 2023. It is currently 6.49 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Controversy. What comes to your mind when you hear the word controversy? I really want you to think about that. What comes to your mind when you hear the word controversy? I, I, you, probably something, a, a feeling, a, a, something comes to your mind when you hear of it. Now, if, you, if you're me, what you probably think when you hear the word controversy is you just think, well, <laughs> daily life, because it feels in 2023, in fact, it's felt like this for a very long time, every day is just filled with controversy. I mean, you hop on any social media platform, controversy. There's always something, and it doesn't matter where you hang out in social media, right? You Like, let's say you hang out in, really, the Christian social media neighborhood. There's some controversy. People are fighting and arguing about something. If you hang out in the political neighborhood, there is fighting and arguing about something. If you hang out in a the neighborhood of a certain fandom, it, it doesn't matter if it's professional wrestling, it doesn't matter if it's a mo- movies, there's arguing about why did they do this, and why do they do this, and I can't stand this movie and why did they get that director and that actor and and I didn't like this and I didn't like that. There's controversy, 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 controversy every single day. If you turn on talk radio, right? I don't know if you listen to much talk radio. I, I have always listened to it, just fascinated by certain aspects of it. Other parts of it drive me nuts, but it is driven by controversy, right? Today, we're going to be talking about this. Today, we're going to be talking about this. And we're upset that Biden did this. We're upset that Trump did this. We're upset about this. We're upset about this. And it's controversy, controversy, controversy. If you even watch, you know, the news media, if you think about it, isn't everything designed around some kind of controversy, some kind of danger, some kind of panic, some kind of disaster? It's just the world in which we live. And here's the thing, we are in it, but we're not supposed to be of it. So how as Christians are we to engage a world? How are we to live in a world that is really driven by, it's almost like the engine is controversy, right? It's the engine that drives everything. Now, if we look up the definition of controversy, we'll read something like this, controversy, is a state of prolonged public dispute or debate, usually concerning a matter of conflicting opinion or point of view. Every day there is, there's conflict in the church. There's conflict outside the church. There's conflict in your home. There's conflict in your job. We always find ourselves in some kind of conflict, different opinions, different views. And sometimes that conflict then becomes more and more public. People take sides, arguing, fighting, and debating. Typically when people start arguing and fighting and debating, especially in social media, or even on talk radio, you, you don't really, you're, nobody listens to the other side. Everyone just, they're yelling, they're yelling. Everyone speaks right past each other. Nobody is seeking understanding. Nobody is really seeking solutions. It's just yelling and screaming and fighting and arguing. And I, I, I hate to say it. I really do believe it's become the engine that drives everything. And it is exhausting. It is maddening. And it's vanity of vanities, but most importantly, I believe as Christians, we, we are called to live differently than jumping into every controversy. I mean, I mean, don't you feel that, that, that we're called to something different than that? I mean, don't, don't you believe that we are? I mean, as a Christian, how should you look at the controversy and when do you jump in? And when do you abstain? Now, listen, I've got to be very, I've got to be fully transparent here. I've got to be fully transparent. I do a podcast, right? The Theology Central podcast. Remember, remember the introduction? Remember the introduction? Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central podcast, making theology central. 
right? This is a podcast. Now, podcasts are driven over and over and over, just like talk radio, by controversy. Look, the way to really build your podcast is all you have to do is keep track of the controversy that is trending, right? You just got to keep track of, and, and, and the earlier you are, the earlier you see, ooh, controversy right there, controversy starting, controversy starting. If you'll jump in on that fast, if you'll get there quick, like at the very beginning, because the controversy has kind of a, a cycle, right? It has this kind of, you know, controversy arc, right? And if you're at the bottom, right, as it begins to grow, then guess what? You can get that. You got to make sure you include the, some, some of the buzzwords about the controversy in the title of your episode. And then you get it published fast. You get it, you get it posted quickly. Well, then when people are searching and looking for it, of course, then you blast social media with it. People are going to tune in. And then what they may do is immediately underneath your post is just saying, you're wrong. You're an idiot. But all, you're you're getting the buzz. I know how to play that game. I also know that at some point in my Christian life, I realize this is this is horrific. This is horrible, and it's actually detrimental to my not only my forget mental health, my spiritual health. But I know that's the way to build the podcast. I know that's the way to grow. So even I have to be very careful to go. Do I jump into this? Do, do I address this? I get emails all the time. Are you going to address this? There's a documentary, I believe, on Amazon Prime about the the, the, fam, the family that was on reality television with all the kids and, the, the uh, and you know, all, there was all the controversies that happened with them. I don't know, remember everything. I didn't watch the reality show. I was like, oh, what, shiny, happy people or something like that? I always think of the REM song. But okay, I, I digress. But I got emails asking me about it. And it's like, well, do I jump into the middle of this controversy? And then I'll get another email about, hey, this and this. And sometimes, look, sometimes I feel like I need to offer up something. Typically, I try to offer a perspective very counter to what everyone else is saying. A lot of times what I try to do is like, okay, everyone is saying this. I'm not going to take like those are the two sides. I'm going to take a, a third side. I'm going to I'm going to try to offer a different perspective. But even then, sometimes I'm like, is that really worth it? Now, it may be worth it when I look at my numbers. I'm like, whoa, I got, I got 700 downloads in the last 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm on to something. Okay, but then it, that's, that's, not, that's not a Christian mentality, right? That's not the way to do it. But I can be very tempted to do that just like anybody else can. Look, and just have you ever watched social media? You have a lot, a lot of people who have the big accounts with lots of followers are people who all they do is they throw out a hot take about a controversial issue. They basically then just kind of, they, they, they're gone, right? They throw out their, their initial tweet, their initial post, right? Boom. And it, it's about the controversy. It's about the issue. Everyone underneath it will boom, boom, start arguing and fighting with one another. Boom, boom. And the original poster is gone. They don't even engage with anybody. They've already bailed. They already, they, they hit the, they, they, you know, hit post for their tweet or for what, for whatever so, uh, social media platform they're on and they're gone. In the meantime, their tweet gets seen by 65,000 people. There's, you know, 200,000 comments underneath it. And it only benefits the person who threw out the hot take. Now, their their Twitter account, more people follow it. They gain a following. It benefits them. But all the arguing underneath it, who who does it benefit? Who? Nobody. I, I, I watched the same thing took, take place on way back early days of Facebook. Uh, there was a pastor I knew, and it seems like every day he would throw out some, you know, some Facebook post that would just spark World War III. And and now at that time, I would get right there in the middle of the fight and the arguing and looking things up, and then I'm going to prove my point. And, and then you kind of realize, what are we doing? Nobody's listening to each other. Everyone's just fighting and arguing. It, it's of no vanity of vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. So how should we approach it? Now, a scripture came to my mind. I'm not saying it's perfectly applicable because I think it has a very specific historical context here, but I think it's something we should consider. Titus chapter 3, verse 9. Titus chapter 3, 
verse 9, all right? Titus chapter 3, verse 9, we read these words, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Now, they're specifically dealing with things related to the law. Another, another translation has it this way. That's Titus chapter 3, verse 9. It translates it this way. Titus chapter 3, verse 9. It translates it this way. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. When it comes to all the debates, when it comes to all the arguing, when it comes to the controversy that the world is built on, as a Christian, I am just challenging you to stop and go, what am I hoping to accomplish here? Now, at least in my mind, as a young Christian, I thought, I'm standing up for truth. I'm standing up for God's word. I'm, I'm here to try to challenge people. I'm here to help people. Like, like I, I really would try to justify it scripturally. Nobody else cares about this. I care about this. Someone needs to stand up. Someone needs to speak the truth. And I would have convinced myself that I was doing something no, noble, something righteous, something godly, that, that I was, I was taking a stand for truth. I was the John the Baptist, you know, crying out in the wilderness. And then you kind of realize, no, I'm just another person on social media debating and arguing and fighting with one another like children. Nothing of value is coming from it. I mean, if you'll stand back and it doesn't matter, it doesn't even matter. It's social media. Do you ever look at Yahoo? Like I go to yahoo.com for my email, but then right there on the main front page of Yahoo, you have all of the articles. Have you ever read the comment section under those articles? It's just back and forth. Have you ever read the comment section on the Christian post? Have you ever? It's just, it's just filled with fighting and arguing. For example, I'll just go to a couple of Christian websites just for today. All right. julieroys.com. The big controversy at julieroys.com. Now, this was published a couple of days ago. Currently, it has 44 comments, but analysis. John MacArthur disqualified others for their kids' behavior, but exempts himself. So, John MacArthur had strong words about pastors and their children. Basically, if your children do this or do, do that, you cannot be a pastor. You're disqualified. Well, some, some controversy has happened with John MacArthur's oldest son, um, or I don't know if it's oldest son, his son, who's been fined for his involvement in a $16 million investment scheme. All right. So something went wrong there. Well, now the controversy in the comments is like, no, you're, you shouldn't be disqualified for ministry. No, you shouldn't. You should. You're good. And everyone's fighting about what, you know, and it's just like controversy. So then a part of you wants to go, well, wait a minute, guys. Biblically speaking, what are the rules? What aren't? What what are not the rules? Then John Piper the other day, remember the controversy? Women cannot be in charge charge of parachurch ministries. Cannot, cannot. If it's a parachurch ministry, maybe it's a uh, it's a, a shelter for abused women or for this. Well, a woman can't be in charge because it's it's a parachurch ministry. Well, wait a minute. If it's parachurch. Do those rules about what happens in the church apply? And then, you know, controversy. Now, I addressed that one, but but you've got to kind of pick which ones you address or don't address. But there, there's the uh, the Roy's report. Now, if I go to their homepage right now, um, you've got... You've got all kinds of other uh, controversies. Uh, Elevation Church quits the SBC. All right, um, the in, we can get into all of you know the controversy there. I'm just saying, if I go to the Roy's report, it's filled with controversy. It's just filled with controversy. If I go to the Christian Post, if I go to the Christian Post, okay, here we go. That's a, a news article. Here we go. Where's the Christian Post? Here's the Christian Post. I've got all kinds of controversy here, right? Pastor Jack Hibbs sounds an alarm on churches abandoning scriptural truth for woke culture. I got Pastor Greg Locke talks deliverance from evangelicalism at Dallas Mass Revival. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says she's not removing kids' sidewalk uh, chalk cross at Governor's Mansion. There's some kind of controversy over that. Uh, 
Uh, it says here, um, we've got Independence Day, depravity of man and America's different birth and the extraordinary meaning of July the 4th. And then all, just all of these different things where there's there's some kind of there's different opinions. And of course, you look at the the comments fighting, 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 fighting. Now, we all get pulled into it. It's inevitable. You get pulled into it. It's inevitable that you're, you, someone wants your opinion on it, or you're just kind of, or sometimes even if you, if someone doesn't even want your opinion, you just feel obliged to give everyone your opinion. What, what's the biblical way of handling this? Well, I came across an article just about 30, uh, probably about 30 minutes ago. Let's see if I can find it. I have so many things open here on my iPad. Let's see here if I can find all of it. Um, so many articles. Uh, here's one about the what's going on here. Here's another controversy. What's this controversy? The Presbyterian the Presbyterian Church in America has an abuse crisis too. Now, again, some of these situations have to be addressed, but we also know that in addressing them, you find yourself in the middle of controversy, and that's where it always ends up, all right? Um, Okay, I'm looking. Here we go. Here's the article. Published June the 28th, 2023. Involving ourselves... And every controversy, question mark, involving ourselves in every controversy, question mark. Now, we're going to look and see what they have to say. This is from feeding, feedingonchrist.com, feedingonchrist.com. Again, involving ourselves in every controversy. Look, the, the, here's what we can establish as fact. Number one, controversy is the engine that seems to drive so much of everything in our culture. And there's no way to get around that. There's no way to deny that, right? That's a reality. Two, we should know just on the basis that we are Christian, that we should approach those controversies and getting involved in those controversies in a distinctly Christian manner, not in a fleshly, worldly manner. And so that should look different. And three, we should really ask ourselves, what is what does it actually look like and mean to, to get involved in these controversies as a Christian? And when should we avoid them? I think we should really, really give this serious thought. Now, you may be someone who avoids it, You may be someone drawn to it. Sometimes those who avoid it almost are not willing to speak up when they should. Some of those who are drawn to it need to learn what maybe sometimes those who who avoid it may need to actually be, be challenged to stand up a little bit. And sometimes those who are drawn to it need to learn when to step back. As always, we need balance. But let's see. What this web, uh, the, the website feedingonchrist.com and their article involving ourselves in every controversy. Let's see how they handle this. Here we go. Part of the pernicious underbelly of the internet is that many allow themselves to be drawn into controversies about which they have no need to involve themselves. Now, I think it's always a good place to start hey, there's a controversy going on. Do we need to be involved? I mean, I'm a Christian theological podcaster, but do I really need to be involved? Now, what, I, what I've tried to do, I don't say I, because I don't think a lot of listeners ever catch on. A lot of time I'm like, here's the controversy, but I don't really want to deal with the, con- I'm just using the controversy to talk about this bigger subject. This, I don't really want to get involved in the fight. I just want to say, here's a bigger issue that I think is involved. Now, sometimes people, all they want to do is argue about the fight, right? Like, like the MacArthur story. I don't care about getting into the argument about whether MacArthur is disqualified or qualified or has he played a hypocrite. No, what I would want to get into, well, wait a minute. We've got two camps saying this camp says, hey, if you're a pastor, your kid has to be saved and they have to be obedient 
not only when they live at home, all the way into their adulthood. And if they ever rebel or prove to be unsaved, then you're, you can't be a pastor. The other camp is like, no, 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 no. The kid doesn't have to be saved. They just have to be obedient and not living in blatant rebellion as they're living at home, right? So like, and, and others may say, no, I don't even think that's a requirement. So you may have three camps. Say to me, I, instead of, I, I would use the MacArthur story, not to talk about MacArthur, but to talk about this issue of, what is the requirement for a pastor as it relates to their children? But see, if I mentioned MacArthur, all my emails would not be about the deeper issue. It'd be like, how dare you attack MacArthur or MacArthur is trash. And everybody would just want to, nobody would want to talk about the deeper issue. So a lot of times I've realized that I think that it's a, I, that this is a great idea. And then I'll realize all I've done is contributed to the controversy when what I'm really trying to do is get everyone to walk away from the controversy and go, here's the bigger question. But so when do we get involved? When should we not get involved? For many years, the article continues. For many years, I too wanted juicy details about whatever controversy was swirling around in evangelical and reformed circles. Have you ever been like that? You can't wait to see what the controversy is today. And even if you don't really want to see what the controversy is today, you just find yourself in the middle of it, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or what other, wherever else you hang out, your, your family, your family text uh, group, wherever. To my shame, now this, this article continues, I have either initiated or been on the receiving end of innumerable conversations that begin with the statement, did you hear what just happened to so-and-so? So much of this belongs to the realm of gossip rather than to the sphere of sanctified concern and justified probing. Now, you do hear this a lot on in the internet. If some something happens to a pastor or some kind of controversy, ooh, did you hear what happened? Did you hear? Instead of it's almost like we're not even really concerned about the person. We just, ooh, we we want the details and then we're out, right? Hey, hey, what happened? You know, sometimes if you're in the middle of the controversy, people will call you, ooh, can you tell me what happened? You tell them what happened, click never hear from them again. Never, never come back to check on you, right? And so I think in some cases, Christians just like the details so that they can make a judgment. They can offer their condemnation and then they don't, they forget that there was an actual human being involved in the controversy. So, so much of this belongs to the realm of gossip rather than to the sphere of sanctified concern and just justified probing. As Jerry Bridges has rightly noted, behind all of our gossip, slander, critical speech, insults, and sarcasm is our sinful heart. The tongue is the only instrument that reveals what's in our hearts. So what are we to do if we, if we are to live informed lives without allowing ourselves to be drawn into foolish controversies in which we have no responsibility from God to involve ourselves? Here are a few helps. Now, I am going to list these, but I would just like to start with this um, and just throw this concept out there. Whenever we're offering our judgments and condemnation and we're talking about people or a person or a church, let's remember that they're human beings. They're real people. They're people creating the image of God. We almost, we, we, we almost dehumanize them. So they're not really people. They're just the, the, the gossip of the day and we destroy and we mock and we use our little, you know, names. Like I've, I've talked about it on, you know, American Family Radio. I'll call it out by name because American Family Radio lives for this stuff. Monday through Friday between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. It's all political, political, political. And they will bat, they will, they will bash. Usually it's liberals. Usually it's the Biden administration or it's Obama. It's someone who's a Democrat. They will bash them, rip them into shreds, and they will use slander in many cases, gossip, sometimes half truths. And then they will use little like, nicknames, you know, little nicknames for Pelosi or, or, or the vice president, like just, and it's just, it's childish and it's ungodly. Those are human beings. So you're supposed to love even your enemy. 
Now our, our nature gets involved. And, and, and listen, 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 listen. I'm not standing in condemnation of this because I'm guilty of, I, I'm, I, I always try to protect myself, but I can be guilty of the same thing. Look, we all know, while other people hate liberal politics and they get fired up and upset about wokeness or critical race theory, which I, I the craziness that people get upset about that. Fine. That's maybe your thing. For me, it is charismatic theology. Charismatic theology turns me into like, a raving lunatic. I hate charismatic theology. I loathe charismatic theology. I want it eradicated and eliminated from the face of the planet. So when I hear something about going on in the charismatic world, there are times that I want to turn on the microphone and go, did you hear what's going on at Bethel? Or did you? And I almost want to use sarcasm and I may want to mock it. And I may, and I always have to stop myself and go, wait, 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 deal with the issue, not the people. Deal with the theology, not the personality. Don't make it personal. Don't attack people. Don't call them names. Don't use sarcasm directed at a person. If I'm using maybe a little sarcasm directed at the concept or the idea, that's okay. But those are human beings created in the image of God. They're real people. And it's hard sometimes not to do that. Here's where they start. Number one. They start with this. Remember the sphere of your calling from God. When the Lord drew me to himself in saving grace, he implanted in me a burning desire to preach the gospel. I believe that my conversion and my call to ministry occurred basically at the same time. That being said, I was not called to pastor the universe. I was called to pastor a specific local church at a specific time in my ministry. This means that my priority must be for the care and the needs of my people whom God has entrusted to me and the local church I serve. Just as Augustine referred to spheres of moral proximity when answering the question about caring for the welfare of those in need, so there is a moral proximity for pastors and people to care first and foremost for the spiritual needs of the people in the same body. All right. I, I understand that. I understand that. Um, of course, this does not mean that the sphere of responsibility stops at the local church. I happen to be a minister in the Presbyterian Church in America. This means that it is my responsibility to concern myself with the spiritual condition of the churches in our denomination. However, within the PCA, we have regional presbyteries, if I can say the word right, presbyteries that take precedent to the national court. If I neglect my responsibility to serve on committees and to care uh, to the best of my ability for the spiritual health and well-being of the churches, uh, ministries, and our presbytery, because I want to give the better part of my time and energy to denominational controversies, then I'm failing to fulfill the role to which God has called me. After giving ourselves to the care of the local church, we're to give ourselves first and foremost to the wider regional expression of our denominational affiliations. All right. Okay. I see what he's saying. Where's your priority? What, where, where's your priority should be? Where's your priority? All right. I understand that. Now, if as a pastor, though, this is, I, I do understand what he's trying to say, these priorities and, and this sphere of proximity. Okay. I got it. And he can break it down, you know, his local church, then denominations. Okay. I understand. But as a pastor, Speaking from a pastor's perspective, sometimes you have to deal with the controversies from the pulpit in order to protect your people and to not allow them to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Now, as a Christian podcaster, my job is to maybe deal with all kinds of issues. No, not, not, not limited to any particular, you know, geographical location. The, the issue is to me not trying to limit well, should I get involved in that one? Should I not get involved in that one based off their location? The issue is, what am I attempting to do by getting involved? What is the benefit that's going to derive from it? And how do I conduct myself in it? But it's okay if you want to try to determine, you know, by where it's located. Now, they go on to say, this is not to say that the ministers are not called to care for the wider church. It is right and good for ministers in the PCA to serve on denominational committee and agencies. It is important for pastors to labor, labor for the peace and purity of the denomination at large. However, even when the, this within this sphere, great caution is needed. Many thrive on controversy. They make it an all-consuming goal to speak on every issue, to critique every, you know, even slight error, and to fight incessantly. 
Though it is impossible to judge motives, one must give serious consideration to what is fueling such involvement. It is far too easy to involve yourself in denominational controversies out of a quest for influence, power, or fear rather than that of a desire to see the triune God glorified. Christ exalted and his people edified. This is true for those on the left as for those on the right end of denominational spectrum. Now, I think it's true. Now, it it is true that some people seem to want to be involved in every problem and every issue. And I do believe that, look, we cannot deny this. If there's, if you are in a denomination, let's say the SBC, PCA, whatever, whatever denomination you're a part of, if you have somewhat of a following and you speak on the controversies and you have a strong voice and you are articulate and you have a microphone or you have a platform, you speaking of the controversy almost always benefits you. You'll get more followers more opportunities. You'll be seen as kind of the voice for a particular side of the controversy. And typically you'll get more opportunities to speak. You may get invited to speak. You may get interviewed. You may be asked to be on different podcasts. You may be able to start a podcast. You're, you'll have more followers on your show, social media and it will benefit you. There's no question about that. We can't deny, I'm not saying that's the motive, but people have to realize, man, since I've been speaking about this controversy, I've grown in popularity and now I have more opportunities. My ministry has grown a hundred percent. Now, if you're, if all you but if, and what you have to ask yourself, if all that is happening is you're benefiting from you being involved in the controversy, because now you're seen as the, the leader, the fighter for this particular side. I don't know if you should consider that a good thing because all it's doing is benefit you. And it's, and rarely does it help the controversy. Rarely, rarely does the controversy go away. So I understand the proximity. I do agree, though, that we got to figure out, you know, what we're doing and, and what happens. Um, it says, finally, there is a sense in which it is right and good for ministers of the gospel to know and care about the happenings in our fraternal denominations. As a minister of the PCA, I should care about the health and well-being of the ARP and the OPC. It is not wrong to stay afloat on the issues affecting the SBC. However, none of these should take front seat in my engagement in such a way that I'm neglecting first the local church I pastor, second the churches of the presbytery, and third the denomination as a whole. Far too many pastors appear to allow themselves to be consumed with controversies in every denomination, ecclesiastical fellowship, regardless of whether or not they have a moral proximity to those churches or ministers. Now, I I do like this moral proximity idea. I do, to some level. I do like that. To me, though, the issue more is what am I accomplishing by being involved and how am I conducting myself by being involved? For example, I'm not a member of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention. My church is not a part of the SBC. But I sometimes will address controversies within the SBC. Now, why am I doing so? Well, one, maybe I do so in order to inform my people in my local church about what's going on in Southern Baptist churches all around them, because we live in an area where Southern Baptist churches are all all over the place. And we have a Southern Baptist university, not far from where the church is located. Uh, The church is in Ovalo and Abilene, Texas. There's Hardin-Simmons, which is a Southern Baptist university. Like, you know, and lots of Southern Baptists all around us, you know, I mean, it's, it's so my people knowing what's going on in those denominations, because they probably know people who go to Southern Baptist churches. And not only that, it may be a sign of what's going to be impacting Christianity at large. So I can talk about it. Obviously, I have a podcast, so sometimes I can talk about those issues. But again, what am I hoping to accomplish? What I usually try to do is say, here's what everyone's fighting about. I don't really care about the SBC. I don't care about their politics. Let's talk about the issue in general. Like, that's what I try to do. Like, if the SBC is fighting over women in ministry and women being pastors, all right, forget the SBC. Let's just step back. Where do you think Christianity is going? Like, I can still address the issue without getting involved in that the weeds of that particular controversy. And I do believe that I would have some moral proximity to talking about it, especially when it's public. But you can do so in a way, and then you, uh, that, you're handling it in a much more godly way instead of a personal way, instead of gossip and slander. 
Like people started talking about, for example, a lot of people were talking about the controversy in the SBC about women being pastors in Rick Warren's church, Saddleback. Well, what it basically turned into, at least on some social media platforms, was a never-ending attack on Rick Warren. Rick Warren's trash. Rick Warren's a heretic. Rick Warren was never a good preacher. He can't preach. He doesn't even know scripture. It'd be good if someone would send Rick Warren a buy. It just attack, 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 attack. That's what I'm talking about. Whether you want to determine moral proximity, it's immoral to just attack an individual and calling names and just, and just, it's just, you're making it personal. You're not showing love for your enemy. What you can say is, here's the issue at stake. Here's the biblical approach. That to me is more important. Now I got no problem with this moral proximity idea, but I'm more concerned with how we handle it. So it says, remember the sphere of your calling from God. And then how does that apply to individuals? Like, I mean, he's talking more to ministers here, but let's go to number two. Remember you need, remember your need for the wisdom of God. It's hard to imagine what the church and gospel ministries would look like if everyone heeded the wisdom of God. Uh, in Proverbs twenty six seventeen, we read, whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. That's a pretty powerful verse. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. I'm going to read it from different translations. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. Let's look at it. Proverbs twenty six seventeen. He that passeth by and meddleth with strife, belonging not to him, is like one that taketh dog by the ears. Are you like someone walking around grabbing a dog by the ears? Are you? Are, is that what you are doing? Because you're meddling. You're getting involved in issues that are not your. Place. So here, what they're saying is we need to remember the need for the wisdom of God. We need to use biblical wisdom and knowing what to do. So often our involvement in disputes and controversies, not our own, is like grabbing a dog by the ears. Again, this is not to say that we are not to contend earnestly for the faith. Neither is it to say that we are never called to involve ourselves in theological and moral controversies. What it is to say is that far too often believers in general, ministers in specific, meddle in quarrels not their own. As much as one may convince himself or herself that their faithful repudiation of error on social media is the most God-honoring thing that they could contribute in life, it would do everyone good to remember what James tells us. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James 3, 17 through 18. We need to use biblical wisdom when we face these situations, right? Should I get involved in this? If I do get involved in this, what actually am I trying to accomplish other than fighting and arguing with people? How do I conduct myself in a godly biblical manner, in a godly biblical way? What is really going to come from this? Look, I, I don't think any arguing on social media has ever accomplished anything. I know you're saying, I'm taking a stand for the truth. I'm taking a stand. I'm contending for the faith. You're just arguing with people on social media. And then everyone just sits back and watch. So many times on social media, I want to jump in and I just want to say, you guys, I, are, you sound like kids on the playground. You just, these are grown people just going back and forth on social media. You want to say, you're just like little kids. Grow up. Just stop it. But I probably wouldn't go over very well. It probably would not go over very well. It's like what happened to me on social media. I've talked about it before. You know, Phil Johnson from Grace to You um, and, and Grace Community Church. You know, MacArthur is kind of sometimes called the, his right-hand man. He had posted something about celebrities who were singing Imagine by John Lennon, right? And um, 
you know, everybody was like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. These liberals and, and they're singing this horrible song. This song is so anti-God. This song is pagan. Everybody losing their minds. Like, what difference does it make to you that celebrities wanted to make a video about them lip syncing or singing the words to Imagine by John Lennon? Like, does it even really matter? In fact, the more controversy you build around it, the more attention comes to it. Just leave it alone and no one's even going to pay attention. But they were saying all these things about the song that I thought, well, this is just not accurate. It's not true. There, there were interviews with John Lennon at trying to explain what he meant by it. And you can just look at the lyrics and go, I may still disagree with his overall philosophy in the song, but at least fairly represent it. So I just tried to jump in going, hey, guys, I think you're, you're kind of misrepresenting the song. That's all I tried to do. And, and I kept saying, I'm not saying I agree. I just think you're misrepresenting. And next thing you know, boom, I got attacked by everyone. How dare you defend this stuff? How dare you call yourself a Christian podcaster and you defend? And next thing you know, Phil Johnson himself attacked my church that he did not believe that my church was truly dedicated to the in-depth teaching of God's word because I dared to defend Imagine by John Lennon. And I wasn't trying to defend the song. I was trying to call for a right representation of it. A right interpretation. And all of it, guess what that turned into? I had to basically block people. It just turned into a full-blown attack. And I'm like, you know what? This, never again. Never again. Forget talking to Christians. I could have talked to people. I feel like I could have talked to Satanist, atheist, people, extreme uh, advocates for the LGBTQ movement. And there I would have been treated with more respect and dignity than I was treated by fellow believers because I dared say, I think you're possibly misrepresenting the song. As someone who loves music, who's read everything there ever is to been written probably about the Beatles and John Lennon and, and everything from Sergeant Peppers to Abby. I mean, we can go on and on and on. The, the, the supposed controversy of Paul McCartney actually being dead and was replaced by some, all, all, I mean, just create all this stuff. I, I may, I, I may, because I love music, but no, 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 could not do that. Now, wisdom would have said, I think wisdom would have told me, well, that's a wise thing to do. You're trying to help fellow Christians out, not misrepresent a song and by therefore bearing false witness or slandering and gossip against someone who's, I don't know, dead and can't defend themselves. But no. Wisdom now tells me, just don't even worry about it. Just don't even get involved. It's a waste of time. It's like just grabbing a dog by the ear. And sadly, when you can't talk to Christians... That's because Christians just want to fight. They just want to argue. They just want to attack. Meaning that we've so followed the, we've so followed the, the temperature of the culture, the attitude of the culture. Instead of having an attitude of, of we do not bear false witness and we love and we don't slander. And we don't do this. And, and as he says, we have this wisdom that is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's what the kind of wisdom we should have. But we have a very fleshly, ungodly wisdom. So remember our need for wisdom. We must consider what biblical wisdom would tell us to do or not to do. Number three, we need to remember our own sinfulness before God. I fear that often those who are the most vocal about error in others are perhaps inadvertently giving themselves cover so as not to focus on their own sinfulness and their own need to be mortifying sin in their own lives. J. Gresham Macam, Macon, if I could say his name right, one of the champions of theological orthodoxy in the 20th century, once noted, consideration of the sins of other people is the deadliest because it re, it relieves the pain of conscience, but it also destroys moral life. Many persons gloat over denunciation of that to which they are not tempted, or they even gloat over denunciations in the case of other people of sins, which are also really theirs. Now, that means that as Christians, we fall into this moral, deadly moral trap where we are so vocal about other people's errors because we're really just covering up our own. 
We're so focused on everyone else so that we cannot even see our focus on ourselves. We, we gloat over denunciations. In other words, we gloat, we gloat over the denunciations of other people. We gloat over the denunciations over sins, which we are not tempted. We may gloat over the denunciation over homosexuality. We may gloat over the denunciation of everything dealing with LGBTQ+. <laughs> okay, uh, but guess what? In many cases, we are doing so to cover our own sin, or in many cases, to cover the sins that are really our own. What we should always do is whenever we see someone else, a controversy, we always see someone else's failures, always see someone else's shortcomings, we should first start before, in a sense, we want to open the window and scream out at everyone else, we should probably keep the window closed and go find a mirror. It's probably a good idea. Jay Gresham Macon, M-A-C-H-E-N, I know I'm saying his name incorrectly. I know the name, but I, I'm saying it incorrectly. He understood the deceitfulness of the human heart and the subtle uh, the, the subtlety in us that, 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 that flows from that depraved human heart. We can easily become outraged over the sins of others as David did when Nathan the prophet told him the story of the poor man's stolen lamb while harboring sin that is every bit as egregious as that which we denounce. We have a tendency to do that. We will denounce sin. We will condemn it. Well, we're harboring sin that is just as egregious. That is just as wrong. I've been guilty of that. I'm assuming you've been guilty of that. Right? This is the very reason why our Lord used the figure of, uh, the, figure of the speck and the log in Matthew 7. It's quite difficult to want to involve ourselves in every controversy or to seek to correct every error when we remember the indwelling sin in which we are personally engaged, engaged in warfare every single day or our lives until Christ comes again. It, it is, you don't want to always necessarily get involved in everyone else's error and everyone else's controversy when you just remember daily your own controversy with your own self and the sin and the difficulties you struggle with your own self and your own sinful nature. Now, at the same time, though, it doesn't mean we can't address other issues, but it should greatly change the way we address those issues in a much more humble way, in a much more way acknowledging our own failure and our own sin. While much can and should be said about the subject, it should suffice for us to consider these things in such a way as to take an inventory check of where our priorities lie with regard to engagement and controversies. If we would remember that sphere of our calling from God, our need to mine out of scripture, the wisdom of God and our own sinfulness before God, we will be much more reticent to insert ourselves into controversies about which we do not need to involve ourselves. As we keep these guiding principles before us, we will be more equipped to determine what controversies we should take up and for those from which we should keep ourselves. May God give us the grace to examine ourselves and the wisdom to guide us into whatever controversy may arise. Again, that can be found at feedingonchrist.com, feedingonchrist.com. I kind of changed some of the words, paraphrase some of the words. You can read it you know, for yourself and meditate on it. I would challenge you to go look up the article, feedingonchrist.com, maybe save it somewhere. And the next time you hear some controversy arising, some debate, because it's every single day, maybe you'll stop and go, oh, I don't know if I want to, next time you, I don't know if I want to engage in this. And the next time you feel yourself ready to go, well, that's a keyboard or tap, 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 tap on your screen. I'm going to let them know. I'm going to tell them they're wrong. I'm going to, maybe you'll stop and go, wait a minute, wait, let me think about this. What am I doing? Controversy is the engine that I feel drives everything in 2023. I really do. And I think as Christians, we need to, we need to change the engine. We need to pull the car over 
We need to get the right tools. We need to open the hood. We need to pull the engine out. So, you know, what's going to drive me is something different. I'm going to try to be driven not by controversy, but by Christ, by scripture, by loving my enemy, by not bearing false witness, by not gossiping, by not slandering, by not grabbing a dog by the ears, by, by a wisdom that is peaceable, that uh, a wisdom that is loving and gracious. I'm going to try to see my sin before I see everyone else's sin. I'm going to try to remember that other people, that there are human beings involved in these controversies, real people who may be hurting, may be suffering. I'm going to try to set up making it about a person, deal with the con- the the deeper issue. I'm going to make it about the issue and not people. I'm going to refrain from childhood, you know, playground insults and acting like a bully and just acting like a jerk. I'm going to I'm going to you know, pause. And if I don't really understand if someone's, how someone's approaching me, maybe I'll say, Hey, can we talk in private? Can I message you? Cause I think maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're doing here. And he's, and then someone like, you know, Phil Johnson, you know, could say, Hey, are, are you, are you, I, I, maybe I'm misunderstanding. Are you defending John Lennon or like what, you know, I think maybe we're not seeing eye to eye, but no, could not ever even act like a, a, a mature adult there and just attacked, 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 attacked. And then I attacked my entire church. That could have been handled five seconds. Hey, I'm just going to message you really quick because I think I'm misunderstanding what you're saying. And, and you know, come on, it's a John Lennon song. It's not like Christians should be fighting over this. We, we got, you know, we, you know we're, we're supposed to be brothers in Christ. But we do have to ask ourselves, sometimes our condemnation are relishing the attack and judgment and condemnation of people or sins. Is it really just a cover for our own sinfulness? Is it a way to make us not have to focus on our own sin? Give me all of your thoughts on all of this. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Now, the controversy that I'm focusing on right now is nobody said one word out of a 51-minute broadcast. Not one word. Nobody even said, good job. No, that's the controversy. I'm joking. All right. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.